Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Nimal Amatirigala. Now, Nimal is currently president of Grace Foods Canada, Inc., the Grace Kennedy's group food subsidiary in Canada, and also a member of its board of directors. Nimal has worked within the GK group for over a decade, spending his first five years in business process improvement and strategic planning roles in Jamaica and the US in the Grace Foods division. He's had a wealth of experience multiculturally and is also a graduate of the GK Senior Leadership Development Programme and was subsequently appointed by the group CEO to chair the inaugural Grace Kennedy Group Social Media Council. He received special 95th anniversary CEO awards for Leadership International and he's also completed the executive training at the London School of Business in 2018 on executing strategy for results. Welcome to the show, Nimal. Thank you, Lila. I really appreciate coming on and happy to speak with you. Thank you so much for being here. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. I feel like I've known you and you and your lovely wife for a very long time. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the conversation, Nimal, I wonder for, for our listeners who perhaps don't know you as well as I uh, do, whether you could give us a little bit of a flavor of, of your personal background, your professional background, and how you came to be where you are today. Thanks, Lila. So um, I have a very interesting background and I think very fitting for a discussion around diversity and inclusion. Um, I half Jamaican, half Sri Lankan, so you know, from the two farthest parts of the world that you can think of. My father is Sri Lankan, hence the funny name, and uh, my mother is Jamaican. I grew up in Jamaica and studied there. Um, I also did some graduate studies in the university or at the University of Toronto as well, and kind of have been on this journey over the last, I would say. 10 or 15 years kind of traveling around the world, working with Grace Kennedy in large part over the last 12 years, as you mentioned. I'm doing a, a variety of roles for the company. Started off in kind of corporate and strategic planning and business projects, evolved into sales, then did five years of marketing at the global level, and then transitioning recently into this new position um, with GK in Canada uh, as president of Grace Foods Canada. So, been a kind of long journey. I've, I've lived in Jamaica, I've lived in the US, I've lived in Canada for grad school, I went to the UK and lived in London for two and a half years and now I'm kind of full circle back after grad school back to Toronto um, for the last six months or so. So it's been a very interesting journey um, to this point. Wonderful. Thank you ever so much for, for sharing. And out of pure, this is personal curiosity here, because I know that you have gone full circle. And I think it's funny how life sometimes, you know, throws these curveballs in and serendipity sometimes takes its course. But what's been the most interesting place that, that, that you've lived and worked in? So you've got some real mixture of rich, you know, heritage cultures and very, very contrasting places to live and work. Absolutely. And I, I would say I wouldn't pick one as a favorite. I've had really tremendous experiences in them all. I mean, my family took the decision really to move um, based on my, my job at the time to 
London, really to get a flavor of Europe and to introduce our children to that experience and the accessibility of kind of living in London and being able to really experience the culture of Europe. Um, but the US, you know, has tremendous opportunities as well for professionals. You know, we lived in Florida, which is a great place to raise and raise kids and to work professionally. The weather is great. Canada, I always call, it's one of my favorite cities, Toronto. I call it a, a kind of, uh, and I hope no one gets offended, but a, a kind of cleaner version of New York City, smaller. Um, but, you know, you really can do a lot of interesting things, both culturally, personally, you know, and professionally in the city of Toronto. So I like them all. I think they all kind of give a flavor to life or different flavors to life when you put it all together, you know. Um, the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times, and that's one of the big goals that I have for myself and my family. Fantastic. And, you know, I guess as an international citizen you're, yourself, and I think, you know, bringing the children up that way, you know, what a wonderful, wonderful way to really experience all of these different kinds of cultures and to really, you know, to a degree, kind of open your eyes to, to what is out there. You know, we, uh, we, we've lived uh, in, in another country, obviously, and, you know, I think I've told you a little bit about my personal background before, and, you know, we were born in Hong Kong and came over to the UK, you know, but I think, uh, you know, just that short stint and, you know, in, in living and, and, and kind of experiencing other cultures and, and then coming across here to the UK, it really gives you that kind of that breadth of experience. But living in, in so many different countries and, you know, far away from, from where you, uh, you know, were born, I, I think what a, what a fantastic experience and, and fantastic experience as well for children in addition. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a goal, you know, kind of Arlene and I, my wife, for our kids. I mean, we want them to be global citizens. My dad always spoke to me about being a citizen of the world, of um, really broadening your horizons. You get a really strong sense and appreciation of different cultures. And that broadens your perspective as an individual, I think. I mean, I think you can read, um, but there's no equivalence or no substitute for actually living and breathing the culture of another country and also allows you to have much greater empathy I think for the way people live uh, and the, the way people practice their lives and then you realize also I think that there is no right or wrong way you know people live in different ways they have different values you know I think the, the more you travel and the more you live in other countries because I think just traveling alone doesn't give you a broad enough view but when you actually have to live in that culture for months or years at a time you really start to understand that, you know that there are differences with people but that's something that you can actually celebrate as opposed to um, judge absolutely because you're really getting into the the finite more granular culture on the day-to-day -day level as opposed to seeing it from that surface level but i absolutely love it and obviously i'm so fortunate to know you and uh, and the lovely arlene and my goodness you know you're just a you know absolute power couple pair of you jet setting about different places in the world i'm sure the i'm sure the children are, are very very proud indeed to have such wonderful parents you know but what was this uh, you know because after that you know when i'm chatting to, to people on the podcast show or whether it is you know kind of meeting with individuals you know always encourage them to to live and work abroad and, you know my husband says it's one of the biggest lessons of, of learning that he's ever ever had in his entire life would always always encourage it was it something that that you had actually kind of planned out in the early days did you foresee yourself being in this position or has it been something that's almost happened organically over the years and um, depending on how 
life and opportunities have arisen because looking from the outside in at you and Arlene and, and the family unit you know you are this kind of dynamic power duo it, it's kind of it's always interesting looking at different people's units their family units and how they have gone about getting to where they are it's been very much one that has developed organically. I think in each move we made, it was a matter of the, the kind of circumstance at the, at the time. I think what we have as, as a family done, though, is to be very open to new possibilities and to new experiences. So, you know, my, my view is, and one of my philosophies are, you know, you swing for the fences. Um, you have a couple of chances in life, and when they come, you grab on with both hands and you, you really go for it. And I, I think as opportunities came for us to, to live in the U.S. initially um, and then to move to the U.K. for professional reasons, we seized them when they came up. And uh, um, that's what we're doing now in the transition we're making to Canada. Um, I think it, it's just a, a kind of important, almost philosophy as a, a family for us to just really seize opportunities when they come. I think that is fantastic fantastic philosophy and you know it, it just shows as well you know when he speak to you guys you know always up to something up to something new always embarking on new adventures and that massively resonates with me and I'm sure it does with many of our listeners who are tuning in today um, but talk to me a little uh, Nimal because I know how, how passionate you are about diversity and inclusion and the diversity journey and how of course this has been enhanced through travel living in different parts of the world and you know also some of the work that, that Grace Kennedy groups do because they are very representative of not only different cultures, different people, um, but also the representation around those various different facets of diversity and inclusion, be it individuals from different culture or some of the more visible diversities like, uh, you know, your gender equality, for example. Right. So, I mean, I, I think working with a company like Grace Kennedy automatically puts you into the space of diversity just because of the business we are and the, the kind of products that we sell. So, you know, Grace Kennedy was started in 1922 in Jamaica. And it's a company that's headquartered in Jamaica. Um, most of our staff is in Jamaica. We have manufacturing facilities in Jamaica. But we have evolved with the migration of Caribbean people all over the world. And we, um, being a very strong brand in Jamaica, um, the number one food brand in Jamaica, as we as our people really migrated to the UK, to the US, to Canada, um, our brand followed. And then we put up, um, you know, infrastructure in those countries to properly support those people. And I think, you know, being with that Caribbean culture, you're automatically faced with the issues of diversity and inclusion. You're a new food product, which is Caribbean, being introduced into um, various developed markets around the world. So you're introducing your product, not only you don't have to introduce it to the people who know it, but you're also introducing the, the product to people who are interested in trying Caribbean food. And that uh, um, in, in and of itself kind of forces a kind of diversity and inclusion because food is really a kind of global experience in and of itself. Um, so working with a company like that does facilitate that. I mean, the company also has really kind of led the way, I think very much from a Jamaican standpoint in terms of female and women leadership. And I mean, as I look across our business um, globally, a lot of the top tier leadership and executives are female. Uh, my um, own international food CEO, Andrea Kai, she's also, um, well, uh, you know, somebody who drives the international food business and, and is a, a kind of tremendous leader in that space. So the opportunities within the company for 
um, women, for people of color, just because of where the company originated, I think is really facilitated by, by that, or it, it's enhanced by the kind of company we are. And I think has added a lot of value in that way to my own personal experience, especially traveling outside of Jamaica. That was really wonderful to uh, to hear, and uh, and when you explain, just reverting back on one of your earlier points, is is there is such richness of diversity and culture in food and the food we eat. I know it sounds so simple, but the foods that we eat, the way that we eat, the culture that pours out of that in simplicity can be so incredibly rich. And if, if I may, I uh, would love to ask you a little bit about Jamaican culture. One of my very, very best friends indeed, one of my bridesmaids actually too, worked to my wedding. Her name is Selena and she, uh, she was born in St. Kitts and Nevis and uh, her, her whole family are, uh, you know, a lot of them you know obviously a lot of them black real big culture in in Leeds in North Yorkshire you know where there is a is kind of a big um you know big black community and Jamaican community and I've you know been over and celebrated been lucky enough to celebrate you know, birthdays and things like that with her and, and just the culture and the vibrance of everyone sharing food and some of the delicious you know the dishes are just delicious first time I've ever had curry goat I have to say and fish fritters I, oh my goodness <laughs> just amazing but it is such a different culture isn't it and i just you know love finding out about these cultures and you know for those who, who perhaps haven't tried jamaican food or for those that haven't experienced jamaican culture i wonder whether you could give us a little flavor of that excuse the pun because i know that we're talking about food here as well <laughs> um absolutely so i mean jamaica one of the things we have in jamaica is we're little but we're tallow and what that really means is we're a small country, but we disproportionately impact the world. You know, when you think about Bob Marley, you think about Usain Bolt, you know, the track and field athlete, you know, we have really had a very strong influence on music, on food and culture globally. I think much beyond the kind of 2.8 million people approximately that we are. And, uh, you know, kind of growing up in that culture, you know, I think, you have a, a really strong sense of pride. I think that's one of the benefits, frankly, that you get growing up in a country where, you know, in the developed world, a lot of times you're the minority. Um, but when you grow up in, a, in the developed world and you're the majority, your whole sense of confidence, sense of self, um, I think can be greatly enhanced by that. Uh, in terms of food, Jamaican cuisine is a very kind of unique cuisine. You know, we have things like ackee and saltfish, which is our national dish, which is something very kind of unique that people probably have never tried before. Many people, but it's, you know, that's a fantastic dish. You mentioned curried goats. You know, we have things like stewed peas, uh, you know, just jerk chicken, um, um, you know, the whole jerk range of products, which are all products that Grace Kennedy, um, the food side of Grace Kennedy, really delivers to the global community. And we find such, we have, you know, just a, a tremendous passion around kind of just sharing that Caribbean cuisine with the world and I, I think when people try it they, they really um, are kind of broadening their horizons you know it really is a, a cuisine in and of itself you know very different from others but pulling a lot of fusion from you know the East Indies uh, as well as kind of African culture so there is a, a kind of blend but it, it really is its own kind of, of food and uh, you know, one of the things I've found in my travels all over the world is that there's a Jamaican restaurant everywhere. Um, you know, I have not yet been to a country where there's not a Jamaican restaurant, you know, 
Um, when I was a teenager traveling in Melbourne, in Australia, there was a Jamaican restaurant there, you know, throughout Europe, you know, every country has one somewhere. And, uh, you know, I think people um, like it because of the fun of the culture, the color of the culture, the energy of the culture, the vibrance and the music. I think all of that really kind of embodies a very kind of exciting thing that people like to be attached to. And I, I always, you know, I'm, as you can see, a very passionate um, Jamaican advocate. I think there's just so many, there are so many rich aspects to the culture that anybody who hasn't should really take a taste of. You've just encapsulated it there perfectly. And I, I mean, I absolutely concur. Colour, energy, vibrance, all of that is absolutely it in a nutshell. And I would completely encourage anyone who's not trying Jamaican food or in fact actually been, uh, you know, across to uh, the Jamaica and, you know, some of the islands around that. It's just, oh, it's just absolutely just glorious. Nothing, nothing like it in the world. And you know, I guess moving kind of on to this topic in specific, about diversity and inclusion and you mentioned there um, you know kind of going away perhaps from the home country and into other countries and also alluded to gently some of the fact you know some of the the challenging times that perhaps have been there for for perhaps your your people or bringing the culture um you know what you're doing into areas which are um you know very very you know different culturally you know i wonder you know how have you personally uh, managed to kind of deal with any challenges that that you have approached and what have been unpacked um, some of the some of the more more challenging pieces that you've experienced moving to other countries and other cultures where perhaps uh, you know those from Jamaican communities or, or minorities have been far um, you know far smaller than, than than the rest of the populations almost if that makes sense. Um, absolutely so, I mean I think when you move into I call them the developed markets what you find is um, a lot of times people's ignorance to your background to your culture to, to what you do you know I I remember very early on going to grad school and, uh, you know, when I told some of my, you know, fellow kind of graduate students, you know, where I was from, you know, there, there was this kind of uh, almost a, a flippant um, response about Jamaica being a beach with, you know, everybody's on the beach having fun all the time. And I really had to spend time educating people to the fact that there is a kind of strong commercial sense in Jamaica. Um, that there is a decent education system there. Um, you know, so there, there are a lot of times you face these, uh, what I'd call preconceived notions mm. about the standard and quality of where you're from if you're not a part of the developed market. You know, and sometimes people make the, the assumption, you know, one of the things I found surprising is, you know, people's lack of awareness that Jamaica is an English-speaking country, having been an English colony. You know, sometimes people will say things like, you know, well, you speak very well for somebody who, you know, it's your second language and, you know, you kind of have to, to kind of educate people to say, well, you know, it, it is the first language. But I think it's, it's really important not to, or certainly how I've operated is to, to really approach those kinds of conversations with a lot of empathy, do a lot of listening, um, but also to be very clear about educating people when these preconceived notions are really quite different from the reality because I think that is also part of our responsibility to educate people um, who are not aware about you know the things that for example the country and culture from which you come have given to the world because you know there's been as I mentioned earlier a tremendous contribution that Jamaica has given to the world musically by you know through food you know and, and also in business with a company like Grace Kennedy you know starting 
as I mentioned, in uh, Jamaica, headquartered in Jamaica, but very much a global company now with operations in the UK, in Canada, in the USA, um, even as far as in Africa, we sell products you know, right throughout um, Western Europe. So I think when people you know, start to get more appreciation and awareness of those things, then you, you start to kind of eliminate some of those preconceived notions. Absolutely. And, and Namal, I think that's fantastic advice. And, and as always, you, you approach these things with the glass half full approach, which I think is excellent. And, you know, l- like you, you know, I absolutely, uh, I empathize with, with many of the questions that you have, you know, I'm sure that you've had plenty more than myself because you've traveled and moved, uh, you know, abroad so many times with work, but, um, you know, comments like, uh, you know, speaking great English, but, you know, you know, you know, having, having maybe not been here long or, or battling these preconceived notions, but uh, the advice that you give there to be empathetic, to listen and, Oh, to to really go through the education process, which I'm sure at times, you know, for those who are listening in who, who have done this, I'm sure it can be quite draining sometimes. But I think that's, you know, really excellent advice there. And ultimately, you know, Jamaica and many of the other uh, fantastic minority cultures out there have brought so much to Britain and the wider world. And actually, you look at organisations like, like Grace Kennedy and the, and the food uh, that you are doing, actually, it's of massive benefit to all and being enjoyed all around the world so i think it's a it's a brilliant success story really and you know before we before we kind of wrap up for today i'd love to go into our lightning round nimal as always i could sit here and chat to you all day you and your lovely wife actually so i i must make sure that i hurry you on so i know you'll have plenty of important things to do before we get into the lightning round you know let me uh, just just start with one one other final question around diversity and inclusion which is as simple as what does diversity and inclusion mean to you you personally? It's it's very much an equality issue for me. I mean, I think really it's making sure people not only have access or be included as part of the conversation, but actually have some power to take action. Because I I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we talk about one side of the conversation, which is, you know, people need to be included. Um, but more than just to be included, people have to have power to make decisions. People have to have power to make to take actions um, that can enhance the ability of of people to be involved in all these industries. You know, I, I recently saw a talk being given about women uh, in science and women in business and how limited that is. Certainly, as a black man. Um, you know, the limited number of people that you see in the kind of C-suite in general, um, you know, on boards of directors, you know, in general uh, is is very low. And so to me, you know, what I feel very strongly about is not just about having people having a seat at the table, because it's easy to put somebody to sit at the table, but they also have to have um, some power when they're seated at the table to make some difference and to be able to take action. I couldn't agree more. It is, it's, it's a balance of all of these different factors. And you know, often I, I, you know, when I'm speaking to people about diversity and inclusion, I say the same thing to them every time, which is there's no silver bullet for this. You must have the inclusion piece, but you also must have the diversity. And there's no point in putting that diversity in there almost as a, um, how do I put it now, you know, as tokenism, you know, let's pop someone onto the board because they happen to be a female or 
Asian or black or, or whatever, you know, we must at the same time, not only make them feel included and put them in an environment where they feel they can contribute their best selves to the conversation, but also, as you say, you know, give them the power, give them the actual voice to be able to do something because there's no point them sitting there um, and making this a nice beauty parade, uh, so to speak. So no, absolutely, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, representation is also so important. You know, there's so many, and you know, unfortunately been some terribly, terribly tragic stories that I have read of, of late. And, um, you know, that I think there is a, to a degree a belief that, look, the, the issues surrounding um, racism, representation, and many other facets of diversity as well, which aren't just visible, could be invisible, you know, are, are still, you know, still having, um, you know, very, you know, well publicized and, you know, kind of horrific stories and difficulties and things like that. If we do not have that representation and we are not visibly showing that uh, there are there are individuals who, who should and deserve places in positions of power and, you know, are able to actually fight battle and fight the fight um, for people who fully understand those cultures, then really it's that won't go away unless we keep flying the flag and keep speaking out about it and keep having often what are tough and challenging conversations, frankly. And I, I mean, I think one of the important concepts is allyship, right? I mean, as I look um, at what is happening in the US now with you know, the, the, what I consider the murder of George Floyd, um, you know, what we need, um, certainly you know, when we are minorities, are people who are in the majority, whether it's, it's white, whether it's just from a, uh, an issue of economic power and independence, that they lend their voices to these causes. And you know, I think there are so many studies, I think I've seen you speak about this quite extensively, about how much value is added when you have a diverse, you know, either board or leadership team or just team in general, economically. So it's actually good business um, to be um, broadly inclusive, but you know, I don't think we can be ignorant of the fact that there is an imbalance right now. There are people, you know, that have tremendous power and, uh, you know, depending on how they decide to ally themselves to the causes, um, whether it be racism, whether it be gender equality, you know, and all the other many very important issues of diversity and inclusion, um, unless they lend their voices and uh, um, their wallets and, you know, their, their um, influence, to, to the causes, then you know you don't really see the change happen as quickly as it happens. But I, I end being and you know actually posted on Facebook about this recently being in a very optimistic place about the future because <clears throat> as I look at my own children and I see the friends they have and the way they go about their life, you know my son is 11, my daughter is 14. They don't carry the baggage that my generation carries around things like race. You know, they're, they're far less, and I'm talking about both the majority and the minority not carrying the baggage. Um, you know, so it, it, it really gives me um, hope for the future because I think there is just tremendous voices out there. Yours is one, which I think, you know, you're doing an awesome job of just really letting the conversation be told. Um, giving people like myself a voice to be able to share with a wider community. And I think those things make me very optimistic for the future. 
That's so lovely to hear, Nimal. And, you know, again, I, I said it again in our earlier conversation uh, to you and Arlene, you know, it's always glass half full. And, and I think that's a, the beautiful thing about sharing of voices and having a chance to, uh, you know, have conversations like this is, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, yes, there's challenges in the world and my goodness that there, there is and will be, I'm sure, for the rest of our lives. But at the end of the day, there's great people out there, there's some fantastic, fantastic allies and God, I've met some brilliant people who are lending their voice and their power and their wallets as you say that uh, you know to these great causes and you know definitely bright futures ahead and you know like I said you know again before you know very very lucky children indeed have fantastic parents like you and Arlene um, but let's head into the lightning round and Namal I'm going to give you 30, 30 seconds to answer each of the next questions as, uh, as usual I know that you know what's uh, coming because I know that you listen to podcasts so um, first of all biggest question first what is your secret to success? I think that one for me is very easy. I swing for the fences. You know, I think I said it earlier in the conversation, really seizing opportunities when they come and not being afraid to fail. Um, you know, I think there are lots of opportunities out there that people get a little scared about. I've tried um, to live my life by jumping in. Great advice. And what about authentic leadership? What is, what is that to you? I think it's really one about listening um, and the empathy. You know, I'm a big fan of Brené Brown. I, I think just the literature that she speaks about really emphasizes vulnerable leadership. And I think um, to me, authenticity requires vulnerability because when you're vulnerable, people um, pick up from that and they also become vulnerable, which allows you to have tough conversations and move things forward. Absolutely. I'm a massive fan of Brené Brown. Oh, she's just brilliant i've got loads of her audible books and i often listen to them before i go to sleep she's uh yeah absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic and the way she talks about shame as well is just amazing so that 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 word into itself is you know is one that does make you feel a certain way but the way she describes it and and the way that she um you know articulates herself i think it's i think it's really fantastic and very authentic indeed but anyhow i'm breaking my own rule here of 30 seconds so i'll shut up you <laughs> have you any heroes or she heroes or, or kind of books or authors quotes any, anything like that that could be helpful or useful to our listeners who are tuning in i think i mentioned Brené Brown from from before i think anything from her i mean in terms of my own personal heroes you know i think my mom and dad very much were those for me because you know my my mom jamaican coming from a very poor background had just tremendous ambition and um, really kind of instilled that in me. My father was a man of very high integrity and, you know, um, he, he instilled those values in, in me. But at the same time, because my dad was a, a kind of nomad, he traveled around the world and he kind of opened my eyes by taking me to different places. And, and so I think from that standpoint, my dad has really been a, a hero in terms of opening my eyes to the world, which I think is so important, especially in this world of diversity and inclusion. Wonderful. And finally, I wonder if you could go back in time and speak to the young Nirmal back in Jamaica, say, what advice would you give to your younger self if you could? I think probably, uh, I would say, listen. <laughs> you know, I, I think certainly when I was very young, um, you tend to see the world through a very kind of black and white lens. And it's kind of funny, I'm, I'm no pun intended there, but you know, really, you can be very fixed in your perspective when you're younger, but you really have to, to listen. 
um, listening really enhances your ability to interface with people, to get most out of relationships, um, to add value if you truly listen. You know, and so uh, I think I would say to my, my kind of 24-year-old self probably, you know, listen more. Um, listen more and, uh, um, you know, really try to be empathetic in how you approach your relationship. Thank you ever so much, Damal. It's been an absolute delight having you on the show. An absolute delight. Pleasure, Leila. Anytime. And really, really great conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. By way of a very brief summary, for those that are tuning in, uh, I think uh, it's been an excellent podcast today with Namal. I hope you've all been uh, inspired and motivated. I'm absolutely sure that you have. Um, but I think some of the key learning lessons for, for, for me are, you know, actually really embracing other cultures and other people, whomever they may be. Uh, you know, I love the way that Namal described his father as this, this kind of traveling nomad, uh, you know, not being scared to, to, dive in head first to take every opportunity that life throws at you uh, you know i think that's one piece that everyone can benefit for uh, from one piece of advice i should say seizing those opportunities uh, you know life is a, is, a, is a funny old thing. You never know which, uh, which twists and turns it may throw at you, but actually uh, seizing those opportunities and grasping them, as Namal said, with both hands, I think is uh, something which is absolutely key. Um, you know, but also um, making sure you speak out about these key issues. Obviously, we, we see you know, what a terrible, but also wonderful story is by the same token um, you know, happening in the world, um, really making sure that we do give that voice to, to individuals around us, that we embrace those who we are working with. And and also conducting yourself with very high integrity, you know, high integrity, trustworthiness, honesty, uh, and also keeping the glass half full. I think that's one, one thing, uh, Nimal, I, I say to you and also your wife, is you have this vibrance and positivity about you that makes people want to share and open up. And I think that's just a really fantastic traits that all of us can learn from. So uh, thank you very much again, indeed, for being here today. Do send my love to, to the lovely family. And I... Uh, We'll look forward to seeing everyone here very, very soon. Now, my name is Leila McKenzie-Dellis and you've been listening to the Diverse Inclusive Leaders podcast with you every week. You can check us out at www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast. If you missed anything at all or you missed any of the quotes or some of the key pieces of learning from this podcast show, don't worry at all. All of those will be in the show notes at the end of today's show so you can catch up with everything and you can check out Namal's link to his LinkedIn profile and anything you need there um, about Grace Kelly Foods or, or anything else that, uh, that you missed out on from the beginning of the show. Thank you very much again, Namal, and we'll look forward to seeing you again very, very soon.